Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you. Working out of the home office. Possibly until, I don't know, September maybe. And if we're fortuitous enough to end up playing Jack Michaels and myself, well, for an Edmonton, eh, maybe if we're really lucky, we'll be back at our broadcast location. Otherwise, we'll be calling games right from 6.30 Chet. Uh, time will tell in that regard. You're listening to Oilers now. Brendan Escott's back in the 6.30 Chet studios. We're going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline and be joined... Uh, by a guy who played over 260 games in the National Hockey League, uh, worked uh, in NHL management, and now is one of the top agents in the business. From Wasserman, we welcome back to the show Jeff Jackson. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Great, Bob. How you doing? Good. Thanks for your time. No problem. Yeah, interesting times, to say the least, and times that perhaps... Uh, this is and we've had we just had Brian Lawton on before you. We had Jerry on uh, Johansson on yesterday. How different is sort of what's occurring right now because the common foe is the pandemic instead of you know the opponent maybe being the National Hockey League during a traditional labor sort of debate and discussion. It's got to be a little bit different experience uh, for the agencies, uh, for the NHLPA, and for that matter for ownership as well. Yeah, I think it's it's very similar to what's going on in society generally. Like it, this is unprecedented times. Um, business relationships are different than they normally are. People have to come up with compromises all over the place to to deal with issues that the pandemics cause, whether it's layoffs or not being able to to sell to suppliers that are normally would or whatever the case may be. So I, I don't think that the hockey business is any different than that insofar as you, you've got two parties that have to come together, being the players, the Players Association and the ownership and the league to figure out what this collective bargaining agreement extension is going to look like with all of this, you know, causing severe financial issues and implications that are long-term and short-term. So, you know, it's basically a time of being reasonable and trying to compromise, get get to a point where everybody can kind of live with the outcome for the next, uh, you know, three or four years. Yeah. Uh, so but we got a CBA negotiation taking place, and we've also got uh, you know, uh, potential of hub cities. Uh, you represent Connor McDavid, who signed an eight-year max term-length extension that he could here at Edmonton. Uh, I know you keep an eye on things uh, in in the Edmonton marketplace, and uh, I, I guess each and, I, and I'd like to get your feelings on this. I mean, are the agents and Connor's working on the return to play committee, but are the agents responsible for assisting and educating their players on what's happening uh, in terms of not just on the CBA side, but also on the p- potential selection of the respective hub cities? Yeah, I, I, I know what we do with our guys. I mean, there's lots of dialogue and lots of discussion with the players. They're educating themselves. They're all, they're all, you know, smart young guys who are following what's, 
you know, going along on a daily basis. It seems to change uh, almost hourly sometimes. And for sure, when you look at situations um, like, you know, one of the hub scenes being uh, in Vegas as almost a given and how quickly that has changed just given, you know, the explosion of, of COVID positive cases in the U.S., um, I think that they're all on top of this stuff. They're not sitting, you know, kind of with their head buried in the sand. So um, I've had lots of discussions over the last 10 days with players about the fact that it seems like, to me, it seems like a no-brainer to be having these hub cities in jurisdictions that don't have the issues um, in Alberta and Edmonton in particular, are well suited for that. Uh, I know. I know Bob Nicholson and the entire Oilers, you know, organization. The uh, you know the Alberta government. Everybody's been very proactive and put together a really good plan. And to me, from a player health and safety perspective, um, which at the end of the day is is the most important thing that we're looking at here. We don't we, we don't want these guys coming back to play and then having it all fall apart. So why not go to a jurisdiction, a city like Edmonton, where you know it's well suited and COVID is not really an issue like it is in the U.S. Yeah, we're joined right now by Jeff Jackson with Wasserman. And Jeff, we we had Brian on before. He talked about his days with Octagon and how he started bringing in other agents. And Wasserman had a big announcement. Uh, and when we first met you, you were with the Or Group, and then it became Wasserman. Uh, and Wasserman is a huge agency that it doesn't just represent NHL players. You've got guys in multiple platforms uh, in the entertainment business as well as multiple sports. There was a big push, if I recall, back in the mid-2000s, a lot of the top players in the EPL uh, uh, were brought into Wasserman's agency. What's the, from your perspective, what's the benefit when you have a another uh, agency like uh, Acme World Sports with Marcus Leto, what's the benefit to Wasserman having that partnership getting uh, you know further enhanced and developed, I guess, and, and acquiring an asset like that? Well, it all goes back to when we uh, we joined Wasserman uh, two and a half years ago. The, the purpose of that was to give our players more resources, um, aside from just you know negotiating their player contracts. We we always had done a really good job at our hockey on that side of it. We had done a good job with player development. We got lots of experience uh, in Dave Garnier and. Rick Kern and, and the group, but we needed, I thought we need, really needed to have the back end support for, you know, when you're representing players like Connor, there's all kinds of marketing opportunities, there's content capture, there's social media, all the analytics that go with that. Um, it's really a, a bit of a industry in and of itself, and all of our players expect that we're going to be able to support them when they have, you know, the desire to, to do marketing deals, to, to be on social media, to, to grab content, own it, distribute it, all that stuff. So that was that's the genesis of why we did the deal with Wasserman, and it's been fantastic to date. And, uh, you know, as an example, the documentary that we did on Connor, that was all uh, in, in partnership with Don Metz in Edmonton with Wasserman when we were able to, to pull that together ourselves and and – you know, get it get it on the air. So that's an example. But 
in doing the deal with Acme, they were looking for something similar to what we were looking for a couple of years ago. I, I have a long relationship with the guys at Acme, with Marcus. Uh, Bill Zito was a guy that I have a close relationship, and when he left to go to the management side, I continued the, you know, the dialogue and the relationship with Marcus and Simo, and um, really geographically, culturally, everything else, it's a fit. We don't have a presence in Europe. They have a great presence in Europe. We don't have a presence in the Midwest and the U.S., Chicago specifically. They have uh, offices there. They have a, you know, a, a, a Peter Tilly is the primary agent there. He's got a good handle on things. So as we expand um, into different marketplaces, um, it was important for us to do a deal with an agency that fit all those criteria, and Acme, Acme is, the, is the agency. Uh, I'd be remiss without asking you, and I, I, I bring up uh, a couple scenarios, Mike Comrie and Ryan Smith. There were some challenges here. Uh, when those guys left town, and they both ended up coming back years later. Uh, you know, we've heard some comments from Yessa Yarby, not a lot. He still has a huge fan following in this marketplace, and a lot of people believe that uh, he's got the potential to be a, a top six NHL forward in a stone-cold mortal lock as a top nine. Does it, you know, Yessi said about uh, about three weeks ago, he said, never say never with a return potentially even to Edmonton. Does uh, that still mark? He's still Marcus's client. But is there any discussion that takes place? You, can you foresee that happening down the road where, you know, now that he's part of your group and you've got Connor McDavid, does, does that factor in at all to things? Um. I mean, I wouldn't want to comment specifically on the situation because Marcus has been dealing with the Oilers, okay. Kenny, Kenny, on this, you know, um, for for quite some time. I would say that I believe that Yessi is a very good young player, and you know, patience sometimes with these guys is critical. You can't you can't just you know say that a young player like that's a failure before he's kind of found his groove and given an opportunity and, 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 and felt at home, not only on the ice, but feeling like, you know, you can speak the language really well, you feel comfortable in the city, like all those things that, you know, weren't really the case when he was an 18 and 19 year old. So, you know, whatever he has stated publicly, you know, I, I don't know if you read into it or not, but I know that Marcus is a very level-headed and practical person. So is Kenny. Um, and so I have lots of faith that it'll get worked out one way or the other, and, you know, we'll see what happens. All right, I'm going to give you an easier question than that, and it's a question I ask a lot of agents. You represent a lot of players out of the Ontario Hockey League. I mean, you've got Aaron Eckblad, you've got Alex Dabrinkit, uh, Connor Brown. Uh, you know, Dabrinkit and Brown were in that tier, uh, team with Connor and Erie, at, albeit at different times. Um how do you handle sort of the discussion when it comes to, you know, representation for players? Um, at what age do you start actually recruiting them? Because out west we have a WHL Bantam draft at 14, and, you know, you have some schools. I know Michael Benning committed to Denver at, I think, 15. So how do you have that conversation regarding, you know, uh, major junior versus the NCAA route, which tends to have a term family advisor as opposed to agent. How does how does that sort of take place? Well, I mean, in the Ontario, like you said, there's a minor midget draft. So we, we're typically recruiting, starting to recruit the kids, identify the top kids, you know, as early as 12 or 13. That doesn't mean that we approach them at that age, but there are groups that do, and we try to 
have a bit more patience than that, but it's very young. It's it's, it's probably in many ways too young, and I, I would like to see the system changed, to be honest with you. I'd like to see more of the system that they have in Sweden where the player has to be, you know, at 16 at least before, you know, they're talking, before agencies are allowed to talk to them because they really don't need agents or advisors prior to that point. Um, in, it's the same, you know, in, in the Western Hockey League, it's like you mentioned a year earlier, um, you know, we we brought on board Chris Moulton about a year or so ago, um, who's a longtime Western Hockey League executive, highly respected, knows the league inside and out, and he's he's been working for us in in the West and doing a great job. And I know that you know for him, it's even it's a year earlier, and it's, yeah. it's tough. Like so, when we talked to Chris about it. Uh, he believes he he feels the same way, but you know you gotta you gotta get your foot in the door. You gotta get in front of people. You know, express your interest in the players um, before they commit to somebody else, and that's the kind of part of the business that I don't like. Um, and I would really, really like to see it change. But you know, for now, that's what we're working with. We're feel lucky that we've got a guy like Chris out west who's just really getting started after being on the management for, you know, 15, 16 years. And, and then, you know, we'll just see if we can make, hopefully make some changes uh, in the industry going forward. Yeah. Uh, just back to the NCAA thing versus major junior. It's, it's dependent on each player on an individual basis for you. Yeah, it's it. For us, I think it's all comes down to the player. What the opportunity is going to be like for him playing major junior? Is he going to? Is he going to be able to, to develop and play a lot um, as a sixteen or seventeen year old? Is he going to get a really good school package? Is he going to have the opportunity to succeed and thrive at school as a major junior player? Which is is totally doable if you've got you know if you set your mind to it. Um, you know, with NCAA players, there's lots of people that have that as a goal, and we support that, and we, you know, we we, we work that side of it. it there, there's a delay for the players actually getting to the, the NCAA because, as you know, you know, they finish high school um, a couple of years after the OHL draft in Ontario, so there's a two-year intervening period where they have to play somewhere and they can't play major junior A, so you know, right. that's the part where, you know, does their development get slowed down by playing at a level that's not, you know, maybe where they should be playing. So we always we take in all those things into consideration um, when we're advising players. And, you know, I think typically they end up going the major junior route just because that provides them with a really good opportunity to accelerate their, you know, their their. Uh, drive to be a pro player Jeff uh, one final one for you and it's a little bit Edmonton centric uh, but it's not about Connor it's about a guy that uh, has long since passed Uh, his son works in the Western Hockey League sometimes listens to the show Uh, if I'm not mistaken did you not play for Bill LaForge in junior I I did play for Bill LaForge in Hamilton my last year junior before he got suspended for the last uh, half of the season and uh, all of the playoffs <laughs> but he was a he was it was very unique to play for bill of forge i i had played part of the season that year my last year junior in toronto in the nhl and was sent back to hamilton after the world junior tournament and i played for bill uh, for uh, dave draper 
who is a very, you know, like low key, you know, very quiet, highly respected, you know, not flamboyant. And I came back to playing for Bill, who was the exact opposite in many ways and had all kinds of crazy notions and ways to stimulate players and, you know, motivate <laughs> players. So I actually loved playing for Bill. He was a good guy. Um, but, you know, we had a huge bench-clearing brawl one Sunday afternoon on a global game of the week, which was very uncommon back there for OHL hockey to be on television, and uh, he was suspended for the rest of the season. So I didn't get a chance to play for him, or at least have him on the bench for much of that season. He was trying to coach from the press box, but um, that was that was difficult. Was that the one with uh, the Sioux? That bench, or was it? Yeah, yeah, Bob Probert and Chris Brand, and it was it was a, a bit of a crazy. Uh, I believe it was a Saturday na- Saturday afternoon game that was nationally <laughs> watched <televised>. the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it went on for like half an hour. It was just not not what you see in hockey nowadays, which is a good thing. <laughs> Because uh, you guys had guys like Shane Corson and Brad Delgarno and guys like that, right? So Mike, yeah, Mike, we, where there was, was two, it was two teams that were, you know, had lots of skill and lots of toughness, which is what it was like in the eighties. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a crazy scene, but it was all it was, it was all Bill. He 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 engineered the whole thing. So um, <laughs> and that's when when they did the investigation. That's why he got suspended. Yeah, uh, red light, green light, I think, was one of the stories I used to hear. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us here on Oilers Now, okay? No problem, Bob. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, you bet. That is Jeff Jackson with Wasserman. Again, they uh, purchased Acme World Sports, and that is the agency. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting guys texting me about Bill of Forge. That's awesome. Uh, Wasserman purchasing uh, Acme World Sports. Marcus Lato, yes, a Paul Yarvey. Um, uh, with uh, with that agency, so we'll see what happens. And obviously, uh, Jeff Jackson's Connor McDavid's injury, and he talked about sort of the multi-platform opportunities as they were growing out their firm, and that's why they moved to Wasserman two or three years ago. We'll take a quick time out. You're listening to Oilers now. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6:30. Chet. Darnell Nurse drafted on this date back in 2013. Uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated Roos Chris Steakhouse. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now sent you. Well, we could have gone with Darnell Nurse for this day in Oilers history, but here's Brendan Escott. You challenged me to do better, so I dug deep. can tell you that back in 2003, the Oilers acquired the rights to free agent defenseman Brian Leach from the New York Rangers in exchange for netminder UC Markkinen and a conditional draft pick. Now, even at that time, the Oilers had no plans to sign the 33-year-old Leach. They opted to take the compensatory second-round pick as he was a Group 3 free agent at that time. And then, actually, they ended up reacquiring Markkinen, as we know, from the Rangers in March of 2004 in a four-player deal, Bob, that included Peter Nedved. Uh, so would that be effective asset management from Kevin Lowe? What do you think, Brendan? Yeah, suffice to say he knew what he was doing there. Oh, yeah. He had a, anybody that worked in the business during that time knew that Kevin was on it. Uh, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years, and now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu. And a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Again, uh, you know, Kevin had to trade off 
Doug Waite, Bill Guerin, players like that during the t- before we got to a cap system. All right, what's coming up tomorrow on a best of Oilers now, Brendan? Well, we know how long it took for Kevin Lowe to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, so we'll revisit the conversation you had with him last week, as well as, uh, of course, Wayne Gretzky, Louis DeBrusque's thoughts as well. And then we'll hear from Tyler uh, Tyler Wright and Ron Robison on some of the challenges at the junior level of getting things back up and running. All right, uh, Jalen and I is coming up with 6.30 Chet Afternoons as the future of Edmonton Schools SRO programs being decided. Jalen is going to talk to the co-authors of a new study, Violence in Alberta's Urban Schools, the Perspectives of School Resource Officers. After 2 o'clock, that's after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Tonight, Reed Wilkins has got Inside Sports, Brendan. It's a busy one. You're going to hear, uh, as I bring up the text message, Jack Michaels, John Shannon, Habs reporter Eric Engels, Craig Stiles from the Brick Invitational Hockey Tournament, and this guy had a big win at the UFC over the weekend. Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer, out of Bonneville. The bulldozer, Bozer. Wow. All right. Uh, I've known a few bulldozer boozers during my time, but not a bulldozer, Bozer. All right. 157. We're going to say goodbye for now. We'll rejoin you Thursday at the live show. We'll have Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack, Louis DeBrusque, and David Staples. Uh, have a terrific Canada Day, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.